Welcome to the Justin Henry Show. Today is August 21st. I got a great guest. We got Herms from Twitter. Y'all know him, Herms NFL, joining the show, talking about sleeper wide receivers that you can find outside of the top 25. We're going to help you win your leagues. Plus, we're going to go over some breaking news. Lamar Jackson wants the bag, and Brady's back. We're going to talk about preseason week two. Stay tuned. You're watching the Justin Henry Show on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. Make sure you follow on all social media platforms. And we're here, baby. Yes, Herms is in the building. What's going on, my man? Glad to have you on the show. We talked at the Fantasy Football Expo last week. Damn, that, it went by fast. Last week we were talking, but man, good to have you on the show, bro. Thank you so much for having me. This is so wonderful. Oh, my gosh. We got all sorts of stuff to talk about, too. I'm really glad that we're at the time of year where there's actually stuff going on because for much of the fantasy off season, Oh, just Gross. having to make stuff up. <laughs> it's oh, dry. Yeah. It's dry. We're sitting here arguing over Gabe Davis and Rondell Moore all off season. Where do you have them? So now we get to see games. We get to see action. Ain't no more debates, bro. Like hers, man, you got a pretty extensive background, bro. I, I, I do my best. Uh, you can find some of my stuff over at fantasypros.com if you're interested in looking that stuff up. Uh, I, well, on the website there, I'm C.H. Herms because you have to have a first and last name for the website. But either way, you know, look that up. You can find that stuff there. Uh, I have my podcast, The Lateral Show, on Apple, Spotify, wherever Anchor puts it. I don't know. That's why I signed up for Anchor because I don't know where to put it. <laughs> and the, yeah, you know, and then uh, I also. Do some stuff over at fantasy6pack.net. So there, that's a background for you. How about this? See, plug in the pluggables on Twitter at Herms NFL right there. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. Y'all know where to find them at. Well, we're going to get into the news, baby. We got to talk about what's going on. This segment's called This Justin. And so we're going to talk about all the breaking news here. Lamar Jackson, we he wanted the bag, man. He saw Kyler Murray and everybody, when it happened, everybody was like, you know who's getting paid next? Lamar. So Reportedly, they're offering more money to Lamar Jackson than, than Kyler Murray. But the major holdup is guaranteed money. He wants it all fully guaranteed. Herms, what you thinking, man? You think this this deal gets done, or do you think Lamar's going to have to come off of that guarantee part? Well, full disclosure, I'm a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. But as you can see behind me, I live in the great state of Maryland. So I, I a lot of my neighbors are Ravens fans. A lot of people – it half, half of my home league – is full of Ravens fans. I hear about this a lot. And the one thing that kind of keeps coming up anytime I hear people talk about it is just like, well, I mean, you can't let that guy go, right? Because yeah. he's just yeah. that good. And I hear criticisms about it all the time. And not, not even just in the fantasy world, but in just like the NFL world. There is some debate as to like, you know, how good of a quarterback is he? Because you know, the, the passing and the bother. There's one thing that the quarterback is responsible for more than anything else. And it's not necessarily passing the ball or whatever. It's advancing the ball down the field. That is the one goal of football. You can advance the ball however many, you know, different legal ways within the rules that you want. And yes, he may not be as quote unquote skilled at the one thing, <laughs> even though he definitely is, but he can also run it so well with such precision that like, Yes, he's easily one of the top guys in the league. So they're going to come around to giving him that guaranteed money because 
why wouldn't they? What's the alternative? Are you going to go back into the well in the NFL draft and hope that you find somebody as dynamic <laughs> as this? I don't think so. It makes no sense to me. You know, the, the criticisms of Lamar Jackson as a passer to me will never make sense. And most of the quarterbacks that are running quarterbacks because they're efficient at you, like you said, at moving the football. What's the difference between me throwing it, the, throwing the ball to my running back for 10 yards or me just running it for 10 yards. Is, if we get 10 yards, I'll never understand that 10 rushing touchdowns and 25 passing touchdowns still equals 35 touchdowns. If you have 3000 yards passing and you have a thousand yards rushing, that still equates out to four, 4,000 yards and it actually might be more valuable because there's less risk when you rush the ball than it is when you pass the ball so to me I will never understand it give Lamar the bag he's not in the air raid offense like Kyler he's in a run heavy offense still pay him he wins games man bingo I mean that's really all there is to it as long as the job gets done it doesn't matter how you do it I love it. I love it. I'm all about winning, man. And the next guy we're going to talk about, uh, we talked about Kyler for just a second. So I want to get to him first. Uh, it was kind of weird in the preseason. We saw him uh, call some plays and obviously with the whole contract and video game clauses and studying clauses, whatever it was, Mr. Call of Duty himself there. We had to get, we had to see Kyler Murray on the sidelines, bro. And for me, it was kind of awkward, but I have my thoughts on, I feel like it was really a good thing for him to come in and play call he actually had two touchdown. He led two touchdown drives, and Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, only had one field goal in the first half. Is Kyler going to take over as coach now, or what? Uh, it's, you know, I will say, just watching that on TV, it was interesting to see how into that that Kyler Murray was. I mean, like that level of focus in his eyes, and then they would cut over to the sidelines and like. You just like see him like over on the bench, just like huddling around, be like, all right, guys, you know, like that. It seemed like it was a really cool thing for him to do. And then, you know, like you said, like it didn't seem like he was that bad at it either. I mean, they ended, ended up working out just fine. Like, whatever they have to, you know, I guess keep him more engaged because, yeah. like, and I, I have managed to avoid talking about the whole video game clause the entire time, <laughs> thankfully, but like, just because I don't, I don't really know how much. I can add to the conversation that anybody else hasn't already, it's but like a lot of damn hearsay anyway. Exactly. Like supposing for a second that that is something we need to worry about, I guess, because again, I'm just, it's hypothetical. I don't really have an opinion, but if it is, this is a good way to keep him engaged and do something. So it's Facts. like, sure. Awesome. Like I'm glad. Plus I feel like any young quarterback at a certain point, once they're in the league long enough, like the preseason's a pretty good time to, present them with an opportunity like this to be like, okay, come on the other side of the headset, you know, just see what it's all about because there's something about, you know, and it doesn't really matter what area of, you know, work that you're in. It could be any right. line of work. The more you could learn any other aspect of somebody else's job and you're like in your workspace. Yeah. Hey, cross training. It's an important thing to do. You know, it, it happens is. all the time. <laughs> it is. Bro. And for me, I'm like, I don't know why there's not a lot more teams doing this. Yes, I get it. Like maybe play call. You want them on the field. Like you want your young guys on the field. But when you have younger established guys, who you're trying not to get hurt. What other way is there to keep them basically playing? Because now if something happens. Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury loses the headset. They can't get the play call in. They're in New England and something happens with the frequency waves. Like, they're battle-tested because their quarterback knows how to lead a game-winning drive. He knows how to be in different situations, call plays from behind, call plays for the run game, for the passing game. Like, now you're starting to get to that Brady level a little bit quicker. There's a lot of, you know, other cute – like Aaron Rodgers, all the top guys 
can call plays on the fly by themselves. They don't have to be listening for the coordinator, for the head coach. To me, I love this shit. Like for the young quarterbacks, especially, they get to get in there. And then it's seamless when the play calling's in and uh, Kingsbury's ready to call the play. It's like, okay, we're on the same page now. I feel like it helps accelerate the learning curve. So I'm all about that stuff, man. And then when it comes to Tom Brady, right? I mentioned Tom Brady being able to, he was gone, gone for two weeks. He was on the mass singer. He was dealing with stuff at home, whatever it was. It was only 10 days. It was 10 days. Get an old man a break. He's 45 years old. He wanted to go do something in the preseason, take some time out. It's fine. It's fine. And now he's back in practice, man. What were your thoughts? Because there was a lot of people panicking. Is he going to retire? Is he out? Like, what were your thoughts on that when it was going on? I mean, it's we've gotten to the point with Tom Brady. Well, it, I say that as if we've only recently gotten to this point. But however many some number of years ago, it's just like any time the NBA world wants to talk about whatever the hell LeBron James is doing. It's like, <laughs> okay, well, like. Yes, we've identified the one guy that we're all like super interested in above everybody else and whatever they're doing. Like, I, I don't really pay attention to stuff like that, to be perfectly honest. It's much like, you know, like when I was a kid and like every tabloid magazine in the grocery store, when I was, you know, like sitting there waiting in line with my mom for the, you know, for the <laughs> checkout, it was just like Jennifer Aniston this, Jennifer Aniston that. And I'm just like, I don't care. Like, yeah. like I understand why these people are popular. I understand why we like to talk about them a lot. But at the end of the day, like, they've achieved what they've achieved for a reason. And at this point, they can do whatever they want. So Tom Brady, right. I mean, if he if he wants to take, you know, like the first two games off to go snorkeling somewhere, it would be weird. Okay. But at the same time, like, it, fine. Good for him, you know, like that many championships, that many accolades, this number of, you know, years. Keep in mind, like this guy has been a starting quarterback in the NFL since I was six years old. Oh, all right. My. I've been old enough to drink for a very long time now. <laughs> so, like, it's, I'm just saying, like, yeah. it's something crazy like that. Like, let him do whatever he wants. It let him matter. do it. You know what? Everybody's <laughs> panicking. It's like, you know what? At, at his age, like, I'd rather him not, he's not going to play preseason anyway. It doesn't exactly. matter. Like it exactly. literally doesn't matter. And so, I mean, if you're worried about him, like, don't worry till week one. We're not even in September yet. Week one doesn't start till September 9th or something like that. We haven't even hit the month of September yet, and people are panicking. We still got 10 days left in August. So stop, stop the hysteria, stop the panic. Brady is back and ready to go. I'm ready to see it, man. His redemption tour. I, I feel like this is I feel like this is the last dance for him. Uh 45 years old, man. I can't. I can't hate it. So take your time off, get whatever you need. Cause we can get to see other guys in the preseason. Anyway, preseason week two is in the books and we had a couple guys jump off the screen. I want you to give me quick analysis and thoughts because there was a couple guys that impacted Twitter in a bad way in the, in a good way. And I'm gonna give you three names. I want you to tell me what you think about them. The first one, Isaiah likely, man, there was a lot of people. A lot of people talking about Isaiah Likely after that game, man. Had a big game. Now, are you buying or are you selling? They got Mark Andrews there in, in Baltimore. And I know you probably – you got a lot of hometown guys there. You mentioned that flag behind you. There's probably a lot of talk about Isaiah Likely in your town. I mean, and it it, it came up in my home league group chat. <laughs> it was like, bro, look, like, look at this guy go. And, you know, Kamish was telling me, like, hey, they've been talking about this dude in, like, the – the beat reports like for a little while like he's been having a super good camp 
And, you know, I'll take their word for it over, you know, because it's their team. I'm sure they're going to follow the Ravens closer than I do. And even like on the broadcast, you know, they're kind of just mentioning like these little whispers of like, he kind of looks like a, you know, like a little Darren Waller out there. And I'm like, well, guess (laughs) where Darren Waller got his start in the NFL? Baltimore. (laughs) Well, yeah. And, you know, the thing about the Ravens system is that they use multiple tight ends for all sorts of things. It's not just Mark Andrews. It's not even just like another person there's like a group of like four of them that regularly rotate in and do like nick boyle i mean he's been like you know that's more of a you know like an a real nfl you know important type thing rather than a fantasy relevant thing but the point being like they rotate so many of those guys anyway that if they're using isaiah likely more like a receiver like this i don't know if you know maybe probably not your 10 12 team leagues at all but like for deeper leagues out there for redraft and i mean like super super deep maybe yeah. but then also dynasty i mean like i hope that your dynasty managers already have isaiah likely because he was probably like what like a fourth fifth round dynasty pick like In this year yeah yeah dude, it it's could a- be cool it, it, it could good. be, you know, and I'm like, the thing is, I think people for guys like Tyler Huntley last year was force feeding Mark Andrews in the, in that second half of the year when Lamar went down, it turned Mark Andrews into the best tight end in football for fantasy purposes. And so when I look at Isaiah likely, what I see is, Hey, Mark Andrews just signed a long-term contract there. I think it was a four or five year deal for Mark Andrews last year. He's going to be their starting tight end. That's plain as day. Rashad Bateman's a starting receiver, wide receiver one. Where there is an opening is like a third or fourth pass catcher. When you talk about James Prochet, talk about Devin Duvernay, like those guys are are not as proven. And there is an opportunity for Isaiah Likely to step up and help this team in real football. For your fantasy team, he is not going to be some guy that just comes off the radar unless something major happens to Mark Andrews. But he will be a very good impact for the Ravens and give them another pass catching option and develop. Like that's what you want to see out of this team. Not necessarily. He's our next fantasy stud tight end, which he could have that potential later on. But this season it's Mark Andrews. It's Rashad Bateman. Lamar can only throw for so many yards. We talked about it. Bingo. The next person I want to talk about did not play in week two. And I was fading this guy pretty hard. Calling him mid. I called him mid. I'm not going to lie. Damian Pierce didn't play in week two, which actually was good news for Damian Pierce because now it seems like he's sewed up the starting running back spot for the Houston Texans. I still kind of holding on to this mid thing with Damian Pierce, but he's proved me wrong very quickly. I liked him plenty as a prospect. And I think like a little bit more than maybe some other people did because there were a lot of you know, kind of red flags raised around the fact that it's like, oh, well, you know, he didn't, you know, dominate a work share at the University of Florida. And I don't know. Well, then again, that's just kind of what the Florida Gators offensive system was. I don't really understand why people had to hold that against him too much. That's way more of a them problem than a him problem. But <laughs> at any rate, like, it's still the Houston Texans. And I'm on record as somebody who's like, an ardent defender of Davis Mills. I think he's really good. I'm also one of the, you know, Brandon Cook stands out here in the world. It'll be a good <laughs> offense, but not nearly as good as people want it to be for the running back to produce anything super meaningful, which is what kind of alarms me about some of what I've been seeing lately. Yeah. Cause like, I've seen like, you know, some dynasty trades being thrown out and I'm just like, 
you were able to trade Damian Pierce for that? Oh gosh, well then I think it, people should really start. Like it's it's getting a little out of hand. It's They're getting, getting a little out of hand. It's it's he's creeping up draft boards where he's going in, in redraft. He was going like thirteenth round, and in, in dynasty you can get him back in second, early third round in a lot of leagues. Like now, all those numbers are creeping up, and it's getting to the point where I was already fading him at that stage. If you haven't, like it might be somebody to avoid because that Houston backfield is going to be a mess. I think Lovey's going to run whoever's the hot hand at the time. So if it's Damian Pierce, cool. He might have 15 carries in a game. He might have eight the next. He might, But Marlon Mack is still there. Rex Burkhead's still there. Darway is still there. Like, they have options in the run game. And, you know what I mean, until somebody takes over. And if it's Pierce, then you get lucky. And I, to me, I just didn't like the draft capital. What was it, fourth-round pick? Like, I just – I know that there was a lot of things to like about the situation and that there was a vacated spot for Damian Pierce. It's just, I didn't see it adding up, but they proved me wrong instantly. He's the run, the running back one, at least to start the season until otherwise noted, that's what's coming out of their camp. The last player I want to talk about preseason wise, and then we'll get into our wide receiver rankings, which I'm excited for, man. You kind of off camera, you said, Hey, you said you got a lot prepped. So I'm ready to hear it, bro, because I feel like you got some gems to throw away. The last part I want to talk about, though, is Antonio Gibson. And this is somebody we've seen Ooh. be a top 10 running back in PPR formats and RB1, even when it wasn't expected. Last year, he was supposed to be – he was dubbed the Christian McCaffrey, and his ceiling went through the roof. This year, he is now on the punt team on the third team, and now it's going the opposite way. Can we meet in the middle on Antonio Gibson? Or are you like, you know what, Brian Robinson's the real deal. It's time to fade Antonio Gibson. <sighs> The difficult part about this is that I wrote about Antonio Gibson as one of the running backs I'm avoiding this season in April <laughs> over, yeah. on, over on fantasypros.com. <laughs> but like, Free plug. Free plug. yeah, and it, it was all predicated around the fact that, you know, the aggressive pursuit of bringing back J.D. McKissick was a bit of an indictment on, you know, this like because and like you said like this idea that we were going to eventually see Gibson elevate to this monster workload do this yeah. whole thing and that was before the NFL draft that was before Brian Robinson was selected by the team in the third round and that was before Ron Rivera came out and said hey we're gonna try and do the whole you know Jonathan Stewart D'Angelo Williams thing and then so far in the preseason like Brian Robinson actually hasn't really looked that bad. Like I yeah. was not a huge fan of him as a prospect, you know, be I think he got a lot of credit for being the Alabama running back and on the scale of Alabama running backs, I think he was a little closer to like a, you know, a Bo Scarborough than, you know, maybe a Najee Harris per se. But right. look, if they're committed to doing this, then that's what they're going to do. And look, you know, say, Hey, you know, the Maryland flag behind me, like, I, I, I grew up rooting a lot more for the commanders than I surely do now. You know, like there's, there's a reason that I don't care about that team at all anymore. And yeah. these are some of the types of examples as to why it, it just makes no sense to me. I'm trying to figure out like, what is the goal for Ron Rivera right now? Cause it seems like he's just fumbling the bag when it comes to a lot of things there in Washington. And you got your guy, Antonio Gibson, younger back who maybe you're tied to maybe you're not maybe you, he was a little too injured for you last year maybe you couldn't rely on him as, as heavily as you thought i get it but when you have somebody who's semi-producing maybe it's not equating to the wins that you want to see and then you go and you sign jd mckissick you go and you put him on the punt team you go and you draft the guy brian robinson it's you're sending a massive signal to all the players on your team it's like we don't really value what you bring to the table 
we don't we don't want to see you develop and get better even though we're a young team and we're not winning a Super Bowl this year, you saw it with Terry McLaurin. He, he battled to get a contract. They drafted Jahan Dotson, like Jahan Dotson. Like to me, it just seems like they don't really value the players that they bring in. Ron Rivera doesn't know how to develop talent, in my opinion. We got Diami Brown just chilling on, on the bench right now. Like, I just don't see it, man. I don't, I don't understand what's going on there in Washington. So I I'm staying away from the backfield hundred percent. I mean, I, I, I got to tell you, all of, all of this that we're confused about, my number one explanation is it's the Washington Commanders. <laughs> I've, been, I've, I've seen it for my entire life. It's always mind-numbing. It's always baffling. And that's why – but before we move on, though, I just really want to quickly tell people, like, Antonio Gibson's my RB28 in my rankings right now, okay? Like, I'm not nearly where some people are with him. That said – even if it is part of a weird committee and he does end up catching passes for PPR leagues, you still want the RB 28. Don't reach for him. Like there's a reason we're talking about this, but do not let any of this just be like, Oh, well he's dead. So screw like, no, 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 no. There's he'll still do something. Just don't like jump two rounds early because you just believe it'll happen. Like hell of a point. No, that's good. That's a good point. Cause I mean, it's he's going in the fifth and sixth rounds right now. That just means if he's there ninth, eighth round, like maybe you consider taking him if you've avoided running back or you need a good backup to have. Like the upside is still there. Yeah. Like I said, we've seen him produce at a top 15, top 12 level. So the upside is still there. It's just a matter of the usage. And it looks like it might be coming to the end. But hey, if it hits, you still have yourself a dynamic running back. You never know what's going on in preseason and what's actually happening behind the scenes if he's in the doghouse. Like maybe they're making him earn his spot a little bit. So Let's get into it, man. I've been waiting on this. These top these top receivers, bro, because, you know, the list is heavy of potential uh, studs, sleepers. Everybody wants to talk about them, but who actually produces? This segment is called The Zero RB, where we talk about nothing but fantasy. And so as we get into these wide receivers, I'm like, you like these little screen graphics, man? They're brand new, too. I just yeah, added them to the show. They kind of, they cool, right? It's pretty awesome, I gotta say. It's it's you know way I mean? way higher production than anything I've ever done. So <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm trying, man. Trying to trying to make this thing pop, bro. So let's talk about it, man. Obviously, we're gonna talk about some receivers outside of the top 25, and yes, there's a lot of them that we can talk about. So let's start off. Do you have anybody in mind? Let's, we I, I asked you off the terms. I asked you to get seven to ten. We're just gonna run through them, man. Go back and forth. Tell me what you like about them. I'll tell you if I agree with you, disagree with you, and we'll just kind of go back and forth on some names. I I know the perfect place to start because there's just one that I absolutely have to talk about because I'm so excited about it. It Look, I've already said, Pittsburgh Steelers fan, okay? Like, lifelong. This, my parents are from Northwest Pennsylvania. Uh-oh. I didn't have a choice, okay? Like, that's it was the team I was born into rooting for. And George Pickens, damn it, okay? This <laughs> like... Man. He has been so good. Like, my I get a lot out of my subscription to The Athletic. And I, I've, I've been reading pretty much since mini camps that, like... Yo, this dude's out here absolutely killing it. And this is not something that really should have been surprising to anybody because, you know, I I would hope that, you know, some of the audience watching this, you know, also participating in Dynasty Leagues, you know, we're taking a closer look at the rookies than people who primarily play redraft do, at least earlier on in the season. What he was able to accomplish as a true freshman at University of Georgia was absolutely nuts. And then, you know, injuries kind of sidelined him for a while even just like 
the COVID shortened year also being a factor as well. But like when this guy's out there, he's absolutely Man. dynamic. And Man. whether the off or no, the, even like the on-field antics is something that could be cleaned up and whatnot. Right. Cause we see him out there kind of shoving people doing the, whatever, if there's one team that you can go to, if those are the types of concerns that you have and hopefully have it work out for you, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. We take chances on guys like that all the time. And worst case scenario, it's Martavis Bryant, which was still a really Bro. good player or best case scenario. I mean, like, Hey, anybody remember Antonio Brown, so, like, I, dude, like, every, like, preseason game that I've seen so far, like, he's out there on the field a lot, a little, like, I would see him on the field maybe a little more often than Chase Claypool, yeah. and we see these little, you know, clips and pictures from practices and stuff, like, this dude does not give up on making catches at all, he's out it. here doing some acrobatic stuff, like, and rookie receivers in the Steelers, man, there's a track record of this, they, they contribute, it. they contribute. They do. Like you mentioned, Martavis. I want to say he had like like almost a thousand yards and damn near like seven, eight touchdowns his rookie year. I don't know if those are the right numbers and I'm throwing them off the top of my head. But I know he had a really good impact that year because he was suspended and then he came in and just lit the shit up for the whole for the rest of the season. And Martavis Bryant to me is a really good comparison because I maybe not exactly talent wise, but that deep threat, the touchdowns that are going to be there for George Pickens this year, like absolutely. He'll be catching a lot of touchdowns this year for the, for the Steelers team. My concern is that in in Dynasty, it's fine. Let the let the ADP continue to go up. I think he's a perfect buy in in Dynasty. In redraft, I feel like he's going a little bit too high. I feel like he's now so he's damn near entering the top 100. I get the love for him, but to me, they still got Deontay Johnson there, still got Claypool, and we haven't seen either of those guys in preseason yet. Like, yes. Pickens looks amazing. He, I know he's going to make some splash plays, and there's going to be a big game he had. But if we really rewind, rewind our thought process, we were looking at another guy with all the tools, and we gave him a nickname, Mapletron. His rookie season had a very big game. Had, I want to say it was a 200-yard game or something like that. He had with three or four touchdowns in the game. Mm -hmm. Chase Claypool is still there. Was a second-round pick, had the size, was making splash plays. We quickly forget that players have to go through a season. Players have to play the games. And so while I love Pickens, let's calm the expectations just a little bit. I'm with you, though. I think he's a dynamic talent, but I'm calming the expectations. Where do you have him ranked right now? Oh, geez. Oh, I should have had that pulled up. That would well, have been it like, Is it like top 30? <laughs> Are you putting him as like a top 30, top 40 type player? You're like, hey, he falls in your drafts outside of the top 100, 120 range. Then you're starting to take him like how how much are we moving up Chase Clay, uh, are we moving up George Pickens because before he was well outside the top 150 behind most of the rookies when you're talking about Drake London Chris Olave Traylon Burks he was behind all those guys in a lot of rookie rankings are you saying hey he could be the best rookie receiver this year or you're like you know what I think he's just more of a guy you want to get with high upside that I'd reach on all right finally got it pulled up here he is actually my third highest ranked rookie receiver so he's behind drake london and Traylon burks for me and, and honestly like we'll see how this continues to go there are at least another couple rookies that could possibly go ahead of him by the time that my rankings are finalized but as of right now i do have him at wide receiver 41 and that your point about like yeah chill a little bit like i'm excited but even then like the track record of rookies performing in the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, like even Juju Smith-Schuster, that rookie season was amazing, 
but it took until about week six. So if you draft too high and then he doesn't do anything early on and you're just like frustrated, it's just like, oh, well, crap. I was, you know, <laughs> I'm to drop. He's on the waivers now. Ha ha. Then like, but yeah, like you're going to screw that screw the pooch that way. Like you don't want right. to do that. Like if you're patient and it's at a later enough value and you can wait on that to happen, because I think at some point later in the year, it will pay off. Yes. But yes. that idea that it could happen immediately, you're a hundred percent right. Like don't count on this being like a, all right, he's my wide receiver three in my lineup week one. Let's go guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. well, there's a lot of people that will do that. And so, you know, when you start to think about other receivers for me, like you want guys that you can put when you draft them, you don't want to have guys on your team week two, if they haven't produced, you're like, I need to drop this guy. Like there's going to be points like that. And this receiver actually was getting to that point last year when I'm talking about Brandon Ayuk, who to me is massively, massively undervalued this year in fantasy. Um, he's being he's being drafted in like the back end of the wide receiver four category in the wide receiver 35 to 40 range. And I love Brandon Ayuk this year. He's showing a special connection with Trey Lance. You see the Niner stuff in the back, but it's not just because I'm a Niner fan. It's what he's going to be able to do this season. Like this, he's people forget he's a first round pick. There was a lot of expectation for him last year, and he didn't produce. He was and he didn't produce early. He was in the doghouse early on with Shanahan. There were some things going on there. And then the second half of the season, he turned it up. He was a wide receiver 16 on the year after week eight, was planning in 90% of the snaps every single game. So to me, Brandon Ayuk is a guy you can get later on. You can get him as your wide receiver four, wide receiver five, and you'll probably get a lot better production than where you draft him at. I love taking Brandon Ayuk this season, and I think he's the real deal. He's not somebody you're going to want to drop after week two or week one, but I think he's going to have some strong connections with Trey, with Trey Lance. He's in for a big year. So I have it pulled up, uh, wide receiver 38 and ADP per the Fantasy Pros half PPR data that we have. And, you know, the biggest thing I think he has going for him, to your point, you know, like a lot of the weirdness that kind of happened last year, you know, between being in Shanahan's doghouse, but then also like what helped open up opportunity for him last year was just like how creatively they were able to use Debo Samuel. And if they're going to continue do now, do I expect Debo Samuel to have that number of carries as he did last year? Probably not. Like no, that would no be way. now. And actually he's another guy that, you know, we're not talking about, you know, potential bust receivers, but like, I don't, he's of the people yeah. in the top 12, yeah. he's the likeliest to fall out, but yeah. I digress. I digress. Yeah. Like Ayuk, he's he's good. We saw what he did at the end of his rookie season, and it, assuming they go back to any sort of you know conventional more-ish offense, I don't know why I said that in air quotes, but I'm <laughs> but I'm familiar with Kyle Shanahan when he was you know here coaching with his dad. I mean, like I saw that type of offense they schemed up with RG three. They have a similar-ish kind of quarterback with Trey Lance. Like they could do a lot of creative things, and those receivers are going to be able to feast, assuming they can tailor that offense right. I'm like hundred percent with it. They will. And, you know, you mentioned Debo kind of fading. I want to touch on that a little bit more. You mentioned Debo's potential bust. Is this one of those situations where you feel like only one receiver can shine or do you feel like his floor, his ceiling is going to be a little bit capped? Because to me, I don't see Debo getting anywhere near his numbers from last season. I think he knew that. That's why he wanted the bag. That's why he wanted to get signed early on. It's because you can take a reduced role and win as long as you're getting paid. I recommend that everybody out there draft Debo Samuel with the understanding that you're not going to just get – what was it, toward the end of the season? I mean, there were certain games where he was getting like eight, nine carries a game. Yeah. Like, that's, they were using him as a running back, like legit. Yeah, that's just not happening. I don't think he really even – like that's one of those situations where a team comes up with something that works and a player agrees to do whatever to help the team. 
because that's what you do. It's a team sport. But to take that kind of punishment, I mean, like, look, wide receivers don't train their bodies to hold up to that type of abuse because the type of hit that you see as a running back out of the backfield and the type of hits that you're going to be seeing as a receiver out in like the second and third level of the field, like that's completely different. The size of the guys that you're getting hit by is completely different. You're absorbing like much different velocity doing. So it's like you're building your core muscles to do completely different (laughs) things. So it's just like, I don't think he wants to do that. And I don't know that the coaching staff wants to either. Those numbers have to come down. By I virtue of just normal yeah. football. Normal it, it's, football. It's, asking, it's asking a lot of a player, of one person to do that for your football team. And I think they recognize that. And I think they're going to get the ball into other people's hands. I can see Trey Lance being used a lot more in the red zone. I see George Kittle being used a lot more in the red zone now. So, Ayuk, I feel like it's his time. They're going to see what they have in their former first-round pick. Like, it's go time, man. So, obviously, I got pick, you have pick-ins. I got Ayuk. Who you got on next? It's somebody that we talked about, but I I don't know. For some reason, it must not be obvious enough to people because I, Rashad Bateman, dude. Whoa. So I, I have, it, as I referenced before, Fantasy Pros half PPR ADP, wide receiver 35. Like, dude, why? Wow. Like, wow. it doesn't make any sense. Wow. At, the, at the beginning, we talked about like, the, the Ravens offense is fairly simple. It runs through two people, Mark Andrews and whoever the top receiver in that system is. With Marquise Brown now out in Arizona, it's Rashad Bateman. He's the only logical person to inherit that role. And, you know, something fascinating that I, you know, have written up for an upcoming article, uh, Marquise Brown received over 100 targets each of his last two seasons as a Raven. And the next closest total by any other receiver were 67 targets last year to Rashad Bateman himself and 48 that wow. Willie Sneed received in wow. 2020. So it's like they pick the guy and yes. they just give him target, 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 target. So it's it's Mark Andrews and it's Rashad Bateman. The be, Due to the fact that this offense is so simple, it's hard for us to get this wrong unless Bateman <laughs> gets hurt or something. Like That's the part I don't get. Exactly. It's like, right there. It's right there. <laughs> like how we have him down at, at third wide receiver 35 when he's going to get 80 catches, like a hundred targets for Rashad Bateman is 75 to 80 catches. No matter how you spin that, it's going to be 75 to 80 catches. He's going to be somewhere in a thousand to 1200 yard range. He's going to be in the six to eight touchdown range. Like it's almost a lock. It's virtual. Mark Hollywood Brown did it last year. And I think Bateman's a better receiver than Hollywood Brown. So to me, it's just I, I honestly don't get it why he's so far down. I think it's some of the newness of like he was a rookie last year. We didn't see him play a full season. But to me, like as the number one receiver for the Ravens, I get he doesn't have the ceiling maybe of some of those top 12 to 15 guys, which I'm not expecting him to be there. But when you start getting to that 15 to 20 range, he can definitely be that this season. Like I don't see a reason why he's not there. Yeah, I mean, it, it really blows my mind, man. And I have him currently as my wide receiver 20 in my rankings, like well above where he's being drafted. And it, when it comes to just his talent profile alone, like I, I think the thing that really hurts him, you know, like you said, missing the early part of the season, because it was when he was in training camp that he hurt his groin and he had to have that surgery that kept him out. He didn't make his debut until week six, but we forget his last full season in college as a sophomore in 2019, he was PFF's ninth highest graded receiver in the entire nation ahead of a couple familiar names like T 
T. Higgins and C.D. Lamb at the time. Ooh. This is the type of Ooh. receiver that we're talking about. This is not just some schmuck that we picked because it's like, well, he's the next guy behind Marquise Brown. It's like they he was a first round pick. Yeah. He Talent. was so good. Exactly. Like he, he there's a reason why they felt comfortable Yes. Shipping off Marquise Brown to Arizona because it's like we got this dude already behind him. Yeah, like it's man, perfect. I just, I just don't, I don't know how he's falling that far. I have him as my wide receiver twenty four, and that's and it's solely, solely for the lack of upside. That's it. Like I just think that there's some other guys that are right around there, but I mean we're splitting hairs. You're talking twenty twenty four. It's not thirty five. Yeah. He's not back in wide receiver four ish, back mid tier wide receiver three anywhere in that range. He's not that. He's that dude. Rashad Bateman's going to have a hell of a year, man. Bingo. Now, another player who is in a very good spot, maybe not as talented as Bateman, but in a good spot that's kind of got the community split, I would say, Alan Lazard. I like the setup. Now, Romeo Dubs is there. There's a lot of other options when you talk about Sammy Watkins potentially being there. Christian Watson just got drafted. Robert Tunyon's coming back. Aaron Jones is expected to be more involved in the passing game. We saw what Lazard did last year with eight touchdowns. To me, I don't feel like there's any way he does, you know, tremendously worse than that as Aaron Rodgers' number one clear-cut receiver there now. Devontae Adams is gone. So, obviously, there's 150 targets that got to go somewhere. And I'm not just saying that Alan Lazard's going to get funneled 150 targets. But when I look at his target share, it's going to have to massively increase. And Aaron Rodgers don't miss. Like, that's one thing. Dude is extremely accurate, doesn't turn the ball over, accurate as hell. Am I am I too high on Alan Lazard if I got him right there in that Rashad Bateman range? Because I'm looking at him as my wide receiver, 26, 27. And there's a lot of people who are looking at me like I'm crazy. No, I mean, I don't think you're insane. I mean, I have him as my wide receiver, 34. And I also had him on <laughs> this list because yeah. <laughs> it's, it you know, like with Devontae Adams leaving, like the void's huge. It just is. And the ball does have to go somewhere. And, you know, this kind of goes a little bit more into just the schematics of the sport of football, because when I was you know, writing about this for an upcoming article, I did not have a ton of you know, analytic stuff to go off of just because the sample sizes for Lazard are small. But right. you look at it logically from building an offense. You have to build your offense around who your best skill players are in Green Bay. It's it's pretty conceivable that the two best players in that offense actually just both play running back. And most of this is going to be heavily predicated on running considerably more than we've seen them do in the past. Even if that is true and they do take a more run heavy approach, we hear about it with Aaron Rodgers all the time, how much he really feels the importance of having that connection with a receiver. Christian Watson, a very, very talented, but raw prospect. Romeo Dubs, like he was very impressive. I thought that some of the footage that I saw when I was, you know, watching tape of Carson Strong when I thought he could be an interesting draft pick at quarterback. One of the things I noticed was like, oh, that guy he's throwing to is actually pretty good. Oh, that's Romeo. Yeah. But again, later draft pick, who knows? And it was only a few days ago that we heard the reporting that Aaron Rodgers pulled all the young guys aside and started chewing them out because of the missed assignments and the drops. So the two people he has the most familiarity with are Randall Cobb, who is unfortunately just a little bit too old yeah. to be impactful at this point, yep. and Alan Lazard, a guy that we've seen on two separate occasions and two you know different sets of seasons, really produce. Like to begin the 2020 season, 
weeks one to three, it was a small sample size, but I think he had a core muscle issue that kept him out for a good part of that year. He was the wide receiver seven overall in PP, uh, half PPR scoring during that stretch. And then to end last season, week 14 through the end of the season, also wide receiver overall in half PPR. So, like, he's stepped up in certain spurts before. He's been yeah. that guy before when he's had to. He's the only logical answer to the question for who's going to be the top receiver. I, I just don't get the fade. Like, I don't I don't get the fade. And, you know, to me, I'm like, Aaron Rodgers, when he has his number one receiver, when we talk about the Jordy Nelsons, we talk about Devontae Adams, we talk about Randall Cobb, we talk about Greg Jennings, all of his number one wide receivers have 1,000-yard years. All of them. It's not like they don't get 1,000 yards. So when I look at Alan Lazard and I imagine – Aaron Rodgers throwing for his typical 4,000 to 4,500 yards with no fall off. Where, who is this thousand yard receiver? Who is this thousand yard receiver? Unless it's just Aaron Jones that magically puts up a thousand yard year, which I'm, it's not inconceivable, but it could happen. I mean, yeah. But I got Alan Lazard as the guy, like, I don't see a way he doesn't get a thousand yards if Aaron Rodgers throws, stays healthy for the whole season and plays his normal style, which maybe there's a slight downgrade because Devontae's not there. How is Alan Lazard not productive? To me, it's just disrespectful to have him in, in the back end of that wide receiver 40 group. All I know is worst case scenario, you at, at his draft cost, you find yourself a really good flex option week to week. And best case scenario, you have like a mid wide receiver too that's just you yeah. got for a massive discount. It's a win-win no matter what. Man, all right. Well, we agreed on that one. Who else is on your list, man? Uh, this one's difficult, and I'm not. I don't even know if I want to. I'm probably wanna, gonna fade. This, this sounds like I'm gonna fade you on this one. I know, but at the but hear me out, okay? Look, look. There were a couple games last year where Kadarius Tony really, really looked like just so electric. Okay, You're my language. Like, I think you cheating. You cheating off my sheet, man. <laughs> you know, like. This guy, when you get the ball in his hands, he found a way to be twitchy and create his own space and just separate away from everybody. But unfortunately, nagging injuries, and I think even COVID itself kept him out yes. for certain stretches of last year. And there were some reports in the offseason, you know, like, you know, he hasn't picked up his new playbook yet. Maybe the team's going to try and trade him and do whatever. But the fact of the matter is with Brian Dable coming in, installing that Bills-type offense, we look at, A, what that offense is, and then, B, how that kind of aligns with Daniel Jones' skills at quarterback. His deep ball is not something that I want to be thinking about. I don't care. Like, <laughs> like, like it, it gives you nightmares whenever, you know, it comes into your brain. So Kenny Galladay, like, that ain't it, okay? No. no. And, and I think about somebody like a Sterling Shepard in a world where he wasn't aggressively hurt, maybe, because he's supremely talented. But, I mean, like, he's still coming back from some pretty big injuries himself. I'm not even thinking about him. So that's not no. it either. And then tight end, what, like the rookie Daniel Bellinger, Ricky nah. Seals-Jones or something? Nah. No. I mean, Saquon Barkley himself, he'll be fine, but that's a separate conversation. That's running back. Kadarius Tony's the likeliest wide receiver to produce in this system because of, you know, he can run in the short area and create his own space, create his own yards, like I was just saying. And the role for that in a Dable-type offense is very clear. And it'll come up a little bit later when we talk about one of my other sleepers. Uh -oh. Oh, 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 teaser. 
we are both reaching in the same deep. Ba- I think we you copied my list, bro. I mean, I I <laughs> super deep. All right, I know where you're going with that one. But Kadarius Tony, bro, he's been. I've been talking about him all off season. I feel like this is his time to shine. Uh, the team knows what they have in him, and like you mentioned, Brian Dayball is going to unlock him. Like that's what he does. And Mike Kafka unlocked Tyree Kill. So when you got both of those great minds working together to get an elite receiver, I can see it happening. It's not like Kadarius Tony just get the ball in his hands. He can make an 80-yard play happen from the line of scrimmage, which is incredible to see. We saw him last year when he got the targets in Dallas. Everybody saw the game. 10 catches for 180 yards. We know what he can do with the football. So to me, I'm all over Tony Kadarius Tony this year. I think he has a hell of an upside. You can get him for dirt cheap. He's going outside of the top 120. He's going outside of the top 40 receivers. I don't even have him in my top 40, and I love getting him at that value. I will reach for Kadarius Tony at certain points in the draft. So I'm all over Kadarius Tony. Maybe he doesn't have a huge touchdown upside that you want to see with your receiver. But when it comes to targets and when it comes to uh, yardage, we might be under – we could be very well disrespecting with Kadarius Tony. Like Kadarius Tony to me, his, his true upside is like high-end wide receiver too if everything goes right. Pretty much, yeah. He's just that good. He's just that fast. Yeah. Well, I love Kadarius Tony, man. I'm glad you mentioned him. I'm going to go a little bit further into the back. I ain't going to go as deep as you went, as you mentioned it, alluded to. I ain't going that deep, but I'm going to go to Nicole Hardman. Nobody likes him. Everybody likes Juju. There's some that like MVS. We haven't seen enough from Nicole Hardman. He's, he's not somebody that people like. He's not a likable player in fantasy for whatever reason. We've been burned by him too many times. But I'm kind of in on him at his ADP right now. He's going outside of the top 150, whereas Juju Smith-Schuster, you have to draft him in the top 100. MVS, a lot of times you're drafting him in that 130 to 140 range. And then for some reason, Nico Harbin is just sitting there chilling. Former second-round pick, just like Sky Moore, going after Sky Moore in a lot of drafts now. Everybody always gets excited about the new toy, but he's never really had, he hasn't really had an opportunity to show he can be the guy. Now, in training camp, he's been producing. We've seen it. Actively, we've been looking for him. Pat Mahomes, he's made a couple splash plays in training camp, and that's just take that for what it is. It's a grain of salt. There's a lot of players who look good in training camp. But what it does lead me to is that they're going to have – he's going to have his opportunity. And you're getting a guy at the wide receiver five, wide receiver six, wide receiver seven range that has an opportunity with Pat Mahomes and that type of offense to replicate a Tyree Kill-ish type role, maybe at a little bit lesser level. To me, I'm all in at that because he was producing at, a, at over wide receiver 40 range, even in his previous role. So when I look at Miko Hardman, yeah, he's not the sexy pick. Yeah, he, he might be on his way out of Kansas City. You never know. But to me, I think there's a ton of upside on an offense that isn't really predicated on any single receiver outside of Travis Kelsey. And, you know, there's a lot that can be said pretty fairly about Miko Harbin in the past. But, I mean, like you said, like a, a lot of what we were saying about him in the past was when Tyreek Hill was on the team. You know, like it is kind of shattered wide open. Now, is he the person that I would personally bet on? No. But like you said, at cost, if yes. you're in a if you're in a deep enough league with deep enough benches, you take shots on players in good offenses, regardless of what you think about them, because if they have speed dynamism and they're on that kind of a roster absolutely like you just because to be good in fantasy you have to produce and to produce you kind of have to be in a good offense it it all ties back to the same thing you know if we're gonna take deep shots on players we're not gonna take 
the what the fifth ride receiver on like the Jacksonville Jaguars or something. No, sense. no. Yeah, why would anybody on earth do that? We're not going to take a shot on I don't know, like the third string receiver in Seattle. No, what right. take a, take a shot on a guy in Kansas City that everybody knows has blazing speed. Sure, why not? I just feel like the upside is there. Like when I when I look yeah. at fantasy, especially at the receiver position, because you got your core guys at this point outside of the top thirty, top forty. You have your core guys. Most everybody has starting receivers, whether it's a, a two-receiver league, it's three receivers in a flex. It doesn't matter. Outside of the top 40, you pretty much have your guys. So what are you looking for? Are you looking for a guy that can go get you three catches a game for 50 yards? Are you looking for, like, the Corey Davises of the world? Or are you looking for somebody who can actually produce if given the opportunity? Worst case with Nicole Hardman is that he's mid, and you drop him in week three. That's worst case scenario with them, and you missed out on the Kansas City wide receiver. But guess what? Now you didn't use one of your eighth or ninth round draft picks to get him. To me, I, I just love the play. Bingo. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. All right. So I got in my bag a little bit. You got any that you want to get in your bag with? Look, the interesting thing, it, it, I already talked about Dayball and you know his time spent in Buffalo. Like From 2019 to 2021, Cole Beasley – his role is the slot receiver. He averaged essentially like there's a decimal point, like 11.99. So basically 12 PPR points per game yep. during that stretch. And also the 27th most points overall in that stretch, courtesy of stathead.com. Shout out pro football Boom. reference. Great, Boom. great resource. Like that's, that's, that's a pretty good wide receiver three for your team. That's the slot receiver in Buffalo. All right. Like, and just because Dable's gone, like, I assume that offensive coordinator, I think it's Ken Dorsey, you know, former NFL quarterback. I'm pretty sure he's the new guy. Like, I would assume they're probably going to keep a lot of that the same because, hey, if Buffalo's cooking, there's no need to change the recipe. Right. Like, that's Isaiah McKenzie, okay? According to a lot of the beat reports and stuff, like, yo, like, I initially thought, especially like Scott Fishbowl season, I was like, okay, well, they signed Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder is one of those, like, really good slot receivers. You know, we yep. saw him do it you know, here in the D.C. area for a long time, and then we saw him do it with the New York Jets for a little bit. I thought he would immediately walk in, but he got hurt. He missed time, and Isaiah McKenzie stepped up in his absence and practiced super well. And like Opportunity. You know, exactly. Like, you know, Jamison Crowder's getting, you know, Wally pipped before he ever got himself in the lineup. So it's like <laughs> – but this is somebody that we even saw, like, a couple – there were a couple games last year where, you know, he had to step up and fill in. And, yeah. you know, like McKenzie, like primarily a special teams contributor. If you watch, you know, Red Zone or something or whatever on Sundays, like that's probably how you know the name Isaiah McKenzie. But like this dude's clearly really good. They signed yeah. him to a big extension, mostly for his special teams contributions. But to do things on special teams, what are like the two biggest things you have to be good at as a returner? Creating your own space and being super fast. What's like two of the biggest responsibilities of being the slot receiver on a team, creating your own space yes. and being really fast. Yes. We just got finished talking about Kadarius. Tony is one of these guys that can do that. And Isaiah McKenzie can clearly do that. Like if he holds on to this responsibility and you miss out on Stefan Diggs and you miss out on Gabe Davis, who everybody's hooting and hollering about, like <sighs> – you're that's a really good way to have an inexpensive but important piece of what may be the league's most explosive offense. Why Ooh. would you not want the slot receiver for Josh Allen? It's I, perfect. Man, 
I love it. I love everything about it. And I've been loving what I've been hearing about Isaiah McKenzie. Somebody I picked up in Dynasty was he was just chilling on waivers. And it's like, you know what? He's one of those guys that to me, when I look at Cole Beasley, I'm like, he was effective because he got open, he made plays, he was consistent, he caught the football. Isaiah McKenzie has that, but with like explosive upside, like you mentioned, just the ability to break away speed, uh, breakaway speed, uh, the ability to separate, like all the things that you want to see in a slot receiver in that offense. Give it to me and Isaiah McKenzie, bro. Now, do you think that he's one of those guys that is like just floating on waivers for the whole season? Or do you think he's a guy that needs to be rostered? Because there's a difference between like, you know, Cole Beasley was always one of those guys you rostered on your team, but you didn't really want to start him because you knew he was limited. Isaiah McKenzie seems like he might be one of those guys that you put into your lineup one week and he gets you two catches for eight yards. You put you leave him off your lineup, he gets you four catches for 120. Like, are you are you rostering him or you think he's one of those free agent guys? It really, it depends on your philosophy as a league manager, you know, and the way that I like to build my teams is I I like to keep guys like that rostered. I do like to keep those guys rostered because like, you don't know, like injury happens all the time and you find yourself in a pinch like, oh my God, what am I going to do for my flex this week? The types of players that I love to have sitting there. You break the glass in case of emergency is a guy that has a role that is reliable enough to know, okay, maybe he doesn't have the ceiling to go off for, you know, 25 points for me this week, but because of everything going on with my roster right now, I just need maybe a solid, reliable 10. And with what this guy does in his offense, I know he can get me at least 10. I love guys like that. I've I've used Cole Beasley himself as a person (laughs) like this on my team before. So like, That's what I like to do as like your fourth receiver. Always keep them there because you never know when a fire starts and you got to put it out. That's just me. But if if he's going to be out there on your waivers and you're ever in a pinch, then like those are the types of guys that I look at first anyway. So it's a good thing to point out, though, because it really depends on how you're building stuff. Some people prefer to have those guys on the bench with the higher ceilings. I like to build my bench with a couple guys like that, but I like to have just the floor guys in case anything goes wrong. You know what? I can't be too mad at that, bro. Just be real. So we got some, I mean, those are some gems, bro. Like for people that are drafting, especially in your more shallow leagues, like don't forget those names because in the deeper leagues, more experienced leagues, some of those names might be more familiar, but those are guys you need to have on your radar in your leagues, man, especially if you're drafting right now. So we got another question coming in. This is uh, the segment called ask Jahan where people come in and they ask me specific questions. Here we go. All right, so the question that came up, in a PPR league, I'm assuming this is redraft, Brees Hall and Darnell Mooney for Keenan Allen, is that a good deal? Real quick, Kerms, what are your thoughts on that? I don't really know that I would do that personally, especially because we look at, you know, Keenan Allen's kind of underlying statistics over the last few years. I mean, he's starting to go in the wrong yeah. direction and and also just a quick bonus if you're looking for a chargers receiver you want it's big mike williams it's not keenan allen oh so we could have had a debate on that baby i know <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah i mean like Brees hall and darnell mooney i mean like they they're two players that find themselves with opportunities to just be monsters with volume on both of their teams and i don't know that i can really say the same about keenan allen this year like we had been able to in the past like if this was like a trade a couple of years ago, but you swap out Brees Hall for another, you know, hot young running back and somebody like that, like maybe, you know, but like in, in the year of our Lord, 2022, I don't think I'm doing that. <laughs> you know, and 
to me, when I look at Keenan Allen, he's one of the most solid, like consistent receivers you can have. You know the upside's really not there. He's not going to have a shit ton of touchdowns. But to me, I like Keenan Allen a lot more than others, and I do think that Mike Williams looks more like his second half self than he does his first half self from last year. Like I said, that's a whole different, <laughs> whole different combo, and I'm the I'm a debater, so we could go back and forth on that shit for days. But for me, even when I look at this deal, I look at the upside that Mooney has. I'm not a huge Mooney guy myself. But he does have a role there in Chicago. So I know he's going to produce. And you're also getting a potential really good running back. Like, I think people are undervaluing what Brees Hall is going to bring to the table for the Jets this year just because he's a rookie and he shares time with Michael Carter. Brees Hall is that dude. He's going to be dynamic. He's a top elite-level talent. So for me, I am, I'm keeping Brees Hall and Mooney in this deal. Even though I really do like Keenan Allen, I still would keep the guys that I had and look for something else. Or if you could get a little bit more with Keenan Allen, I, I might start to think about it. Hell yeah. All right, Herms. Well, I appreciate you having you on the show, bro. It's been fun. Yeah, we got to, hey, we got to run this back, bro. We got to run it back in mid-season to revisit some of this shit. But tell people where they can find you, man. I know you already plugged yourself a little bit, but tell people where they can find you, bro. Well, if you're on Twitter.com, that's good because I am too, at Herms NFL. And if you want to find some of my written work, you can do so at fantasysixpack.net. That's where all my in-season writing is going to be found. And then also at yeah, fantasypros.com. I got some articles over there. I still got a few things coming out. And then my podcast, The Lateral Show, Apple, Spotify, wherever. The, I don't know. If you are if you like this, but you want to hear more, but with like way more <laughs> F-bombs, that's where you can do oh, you that. You should have dropped them, baby. So, so I, I try to be respectful when you know, I'm. When, I appreciate it. When I'm the road team, I, I try to keep it to a minimum. But if it's a home <laughs> game, you know, like well, that, all bets are off at that point. But it's yeah. good, man. Well, I got to hey, where the invite at, bro? It's good, and I'll come drop some f bombs on your shit too. It's it's love. It's all good. So, well, I appreciate you, Hearns, man. It's been good having you on the show. Hopefully, I didn't lose you there. It looks like I might have lost you. We're good. We, we're good. We're back. We're back. Yeah, I, I started mentioning coming on your show, and then things just went scrambled. You definitely have to. We'll, we'll work that out very soon. 100%. Well, that does it for this episode of the Justin Henry Show. Make sure you subscribe, follow on all social media channels. This will be on Apple, Spotify as well. And if you listen in there, head over to the YouTube, subscribe. Let's run this thing up. Herms, I appreciate you, my man.